before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests and which deliver their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is Within the Barrens. How are you doing? Before we start jumping into all the questions, I want to just say hi to everybody. <laughs> We're great. Very We've been well itching done. to do this for months, years, to like just finally be able to talk talk to people with it behind us. And then, yeah, a week away from it coming out, it's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm I'm really happy to have gotten a message the other day um, from Alex, where everybody's saying that they like talking to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was having a really rough day that that day, so thank you for everybody like being like, "Yeah, I want to talk to this guy because he yeah. loves their shit." We <laughs> <laughs> saved the best for last, mate. And I think oh, yeah. it's always the, it's always the repetition, isn't it? We always have you as the last one, just so we've got that little bit of extra time to play. Hell yeah, awesome! All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna count us in, um, Alex. I know you're recording, so you're gonna send it to me after. Um, so I'll count us in. I got a little intro, as you guys know, and then we'll jump right into it. All right. So three, two, one. Joining us today for the third time is Dead Mouse Productions and Cult Screenings crew, Chris Griffiths, Eastwood Allen, first time, and Gary Smart. Um, go ahead and do it. Dead or alive, you're coming with me. Talking about RoboDoc. What's going on, guys? everything's going on at the moment just surreal whirlwind but yeah it's great to be back talking to you again after of the last time obviously with hollywood dreams and pennywise before that yeah um it's incredible the amount of work that all of you are doing and eastwood i know this is your first time being on here and um just the work that everybody is doing with these documentaries lately is phenomenal i love the way all you craft a story and how you, you do this one thing that I'm starting to realize a lot in these documentaries that I don't see any anybody else doing is that you always get reaction shots from the people that you are interviewing when they're talking about them. And it cracks me up every single time. It happens a lot in this one. So um, great job on, on everybody's part for, for doing this because this is a big documentary. Four episodes. Yeah. The good thing that Eastwood was uh, let me have a look at some of the edits because that whole reaction thing. I was like, oh yeah, that works quite well actually. Shit, we need that in these other ones. <laughs> so oh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll say it publicly on the record. I kind of uh, nabbed that from him to be honest. And it and you know you're right. It it really does bring things to life. I think you know because you say documentary, 
maybe not so much now, but certainly historically, and you're like, oh, cool, fun people talking. But that's not what we want to do. You know, we want to bring these people to life. And to be honest, we bloody struck gold with uh, this particular project, you know, the with everyone. I hope it shows. But, you know, watching it myself, it's like, fuck, man, these people are so charismatic. Yeah. I can't get how lucky we were for so, so many people as well. So testament to Eastwood for actually getting out all those good bits. Yeah, there's a lot of people. I was surprised at how many people are in this one because, like, I watched all the other documentaries that you have out so far that I can see, and like they've they've been pretty big. You know, you got an extensive cast and crew from from multiple films, whatever one you're talking about. But this one, I was just like, hits just keep on coming and keep on coming. So, what what was it like having to gather all these people? I guess Eastwood, we can uh, we can go straight to you. Yeah, sure. So we started out and we had uh, Gary and, and Mike, our uh, other producer, had booked 16 people, starting wow. with Ed Newmeyer, Mike Miner, John Davison, who was sort of the writers and the main producer. And then once we got out there in the States, people came out of the woodwork. We'd be speaking to somebody and they said, oh, I know, I've, I've got that guy. I, I still sort of, I'll get him to come around. And then Gary oh, would be wow. with them and sorting it. Gary reached out to Ray Wise on Twitter and said, Ray, we're in the studio. I think we were with Jesse Goins, who's the, um, who plays Joe Cox, one of the other uh, Bodyguard gang members. And Ray was like, amazing. I'll come. And he was literally there within 20 minutes. And Chris is like a huge, huge, huge Ray Wise fan. So he had to basically just, right, Ray Wise is coming around. And luckily, I think he's probably worked out better that way, didn't it, Chris, that you didn't have like days knowing that he was going to come. It was literally uh, 20 minutes. Fucking Leland uh, Palmer from Twin Peaks, man. God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree though Dustin like one of the, the things when we watch documentaries is part of the enjoyment of a retrospective is seeing the people what they look like now getting to spend some time with them so like being conscious of that when we're, when we're putting the documentary together we try and introduce people in a fun way so it's not just them just appearing it's like giving them a moment to like obviously when Wella comes in there's like we make a big deal of that the same with like the Hoven Nancy Allen there's a transition of like her close-up from a close-up in Carrie and the fact that it's like there she is in another famous film this is what she looks like now we do an intro with the Bodyguard gang so like it's making because that's what I look forward to when I watch a documentary and it's you know whatever it's on it's on Blade or it's like I can't wait to what's you know I can't wait to see Harrison Ford just face pop up so like that's part of the fun and, and so it's just leaning into that having fun with the green screen doc robocop is a layered film and it is so much fun to watch and like we wanted to make sure that it felt very much the documentary felt very much like that and it was sort of that you know it, it's literally playing alongside a fun film let's let's be playful with it and and uh, like chris said the cast and crew were phenomenal they were all so happy to like talk to us we would we didn't have to you know encourage you know try and get get people to talk they was just like i'll give you whatever you want and that was amazing amazing to see we were so fortunate yeah it's it's really really cool to see and i was surprised by some of the people that were here like you got all of the main like ensemble cast on here and, and crew everybody behind the scenes it was incredible and um gary i want to i want to go to you um because i know these documentaries they're just they're so fun and screenbox has been so amazing to all of you but gary i know you're a huge fan of of everything so compared to all the other ones that have came out so far or ones that are in production where does this stand for you on the list of like is this your favorite one or or where where is it like in the middle it's really weird because it's the one that was always kind of like the weight around all of our necks really so when we obviously we first did leviathan 
and that's got lots of problems Leviathan has when, when we rewatch it we tried to do a new edit for obviously for Arrow which we're proud of I think we could even go back over it again maybe to 40th anniversary of Hellraiser Chris uh, <laughs> <of> some animations <laughs> I think I think so you know that was kind of our baby at first and then obviously Fright Night I, I love Fright Night I think again the lads did a phenomenal job on that that's when we first started realising what could happen with the doc and obviously having Eastwood come on board for the animations and making something really fun and quirky, which we didn't really have on Hellraiser. Then obviously our next one to film would have been Robocop. And But the problem is it got so big that, you know, it kind of got lost then over the years. Lots of work happening behind the scenes of Eastwood and Chris. But obviously then we released, you know, the last couple of years we've released lots of stuff in one foul swoop. But it's really strange for me, Robocop, because it's the one that's probably caused I know about all of us, but me personally as a producer, the most stress because I, I've ended up being the arsehole, unfortunately, on these projects because I'm the one that's kind, kind of talking about contractual issues with the lads and talking about legal stuff. And obviously then, you know, when Eastwood's got a great idea, it's me saying, oh, we can't do this because of the following reasons. It's been the hardest because of that reason, I think. But it's also probably been the most like rewarding because it's been such a mammoth task for everybody and particularly again as Kim saying Eastwood to see it finally out is just a huge kind of achievement so it, it, it's got a, I've got a very soft spot for it because I think it, it's got so much baggage and it's one of those things where it's like anything in life when it's shit when it's happening and it's horrible the production was great but the aftermath and then you forget how bad it was because how good the gold is at the end and we always used to say I think the mantra we had from day one with Court Screens was we're looking for gold and you know and we 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 yeah we may take years we may piss off the, the the pledges we may contradict ourselves sometimes we may make promises we can't keep because we the intentions there we always try and achieve the best really for what we want to see and I think this is the one that's really come out which is is just mind blowing and, and I'm really proud of the fact that it is the first ever uh, scene by scene dissection of any film so that's why I think it's really important to us and particularly myself and uh, obviously the rest of the lads because. It's it's a very unique documentary. I'm sure it'll be copied. I'm sure there'll be lots of documentaries coming out in the next couple of years, which are seen by scene dissections. Brilliant, but I think you know uh, we set you know we set the bar here really high. So it, it's it, technically it's our best. I think um, length where it's actually is boring. It's condensed and it's action packed and it's the pace is amazing. It's our best, uh, and I think. In regards to the the interviewees, and as Eastwood has already mentioned, it's probably our best interviews because I think the approach that the lads particularly did on the interviews was 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 as fans, but as professional fans, I always call them because you know you can be fanboys and obviously just be there, just you know, kind of like gushing over people. You can also be professional where you know your shit, yeah. you know exactly. I think that's what impressed the the cast and crew that these guys knew exactly what Peter Weller had to eat on day five of production. And I think that's so. Yeah, it, it's it's up, up there, you know, at the moment uh, as my, my favorite in terms of achievement and accomplishment. Yeah, it's it's also really cool um, to see that's in multiple parts because all the other ones that you, I mean, there's been a few that were in multiple parts, but this one for how big it is and how you really do dissect like each part of the film and like each process, like the making, how we created. You know, how they were creating um, RoboCop and then like this and then everything behind the scenes, how they're getting all the bad guys together and like the costume designs was absolutely amazing. Seeing, you know, the script, I'm always really 
interested with these documentaries to see how you always pull up scripts. There's always something there and you're always highlighting. And then, and then you hear them talking about something they added in there that wasn't on the script and realize like, wow, like they're doing extra things. And a lot of the times people don't realize that there are things that are, that are ad-libbed in there or things that are slightly tweaked. So to go into a documentary of a film that I love, I grew up with RoboCop, um, far too young like they were talking about it in there how he was like eight years old 10 years old i was one of those kids <laughs> i grew up watching this film and and seeing the the guy melting and then you know everybody being blown to pieces and being like what am i watching right now and to like actually go through all that and and see things that were added or subtracted from it or that enhanced it is always a joy and you guys every documentary you do you enhance every film that I love to a whole nother level with this, every scene I had chills. The music was amazing. The writing is amazing. Like your direction on this. Like I really do have to say, I love the Robert England doc a lot, but this one, the direction and how you're, you're probing these questions behind the scenes and then seeing everybody react to them and then going to the scene and then drawing like doing like storyboards and like drawing the things out or saying how this was supposed to be here but it wasn't is so fucking entertaining i like i love you guys <laughs> that, that's that's, that's all that, that is to it i love you guys <laughs> so <laughs> fucking entertaining that's it that's the quote to end them all i think it's it's a reflection of the film i've got to be fair uh, there's no doubt we, we we put our efforts in, you know, in every respect. But in a way, we're kind of reacting off the film itself. I think uh, Eastwood has said today, and I don't know if it was on this interview, so he can reiterate it. But it's the amount of fun we're having. You know, it's so in depth. It's it's very exhaustive. I personally hope that people are going to look at it more than just oh, you know, well, it's just for Robocop fans. It absolutely is. But it, you know, it's showcasing an era of filmmaking that is just bygone now. You know, yeah. and how impressive that was, how people used to do things without computers. Um, but I think it's a film that works on so many levels. You know, it narratively, it's fantastic. You can peel away so many layers. Uh, technically, it's incredible. It's the zenith of stop motion and practical effects. And then actually further to that as well, which is why this is so exhaustive, is it's one of those films, uh, again, quoting you, Eastwood, but, you know, Jaws, Apocalypse Now, these films went through the seven, ten levels of hell. Eleven, seven? Yeah. Of hell. <laughs> to uh, edit that however you want. Um, to get <laughs> the end product. So there's so many stories to tell. And I think that was one of our things. You know, yes, there's been some small documentaries. There's been EPKs. And things have been mentioned in the past. Like, it was tough. It was hot. It was this. It was that. But they've never sorry to put it this way, had the bollocks to kind of go, but what exactly happened? And I think that's, again, a testament to the cast, you know, fessing up that it was a bit of a shit show. Yes, we were at each other's throats, and yet they're all saying it with a smile, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah. John Davidson summarizes it perfectly by saying, time heals all pain, or whatever he says towards the end. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hats off to everyone in on this project. I'll yeah. just say this as well, I'm so happy that you mentioned the music, because... Yeah. I'm sure you're the same. Like I'm, a, I'm. A, I was every every musician we've got in there, and we'll talk about like Sean Schaefer Hennessy's 
score, which is incredible, where we've got sort of like a sound alike to Robo, but it's mm-hmm. not a ripoff of Robo. It's just it's so nice and elegant, and we wanted that in there, and that's often in there under under Paul Verhoeven to match his sort of like uh, genius. But then the the music, I was fans of guys uh, of the guys that have have given us the music to be in the soundtrack, and and there's there's easily a hundred plus tracks in there. <laughs> and I reached out to them and basically said, I'm doing a documentary. I would love to have some of your music. And so many of them were like, go at it. And it was the the best thing ever. It's structuring the the edit and then laying under the music and and music, you know, lost years. We've got Meteor in there, we've got Kallax in there, we've got so many, like New Arcade that did the title theme, which is incredible. Like I hope people get a kick out of the intro. Um and and Blood and Chrome, who who's unfortunately not with us anymore, but he was a massive part as well. And he, he basically directed that intro himself. Oh, wow. We sort of had a few ideas in terms of like color palette and what we wanted to get across in terms of it's a you know we want it to feel analog and we want it to feel um you know we want it to we want to see robocop being built you know what would what was going on behind the scenes with with bob morton's crew when they were building robocop and keeping the left arm and if you watch the animation the left arm's the last thing to go he was a huge robocop fan too and we i met that met that guy via twitter and he, he was like i'll do whatever you want and he lent us some music as well but yeah i'm glad that you've mentioned the music because I, I was saying this earlier like i will just listen to the documentary on a run i will literally just put it on and just to listen to the soundtrack and that running commentary and i i, I still listen to those guys so we're so grateful that so many musicians offered to to to, to lend us some of their music are you gonna put together a a soundtrack for this are you gonna reach out and do like a best of it's a tricky one That'd it's be been great. mentioned before we're gonna do i think we'll do like a spotify playlist and i know the mm. guys New arcades are going to release the intro theme on the day on the on the 29th when when we drop our dock on Screenbox. So they're going to have a release, um, and then um, I'll I'll put a playlist together because yeah, I hope it just draws people to. I know there's there are a lot of synthwave sci-fi fans. You know, it usually goes hand in hand, but I hope it, it draws a lot of people to that music because it is incredible. And um, I know Chris has been become a big fan since uh, since we've been I've, using the music. I've had that best of or whatever the one we collated. I've had that on my car like nearly every journey. <laughs> and it's and it's and it's interesting actually. You know, yeah, the music is on another level with this particular documentary. Um, it's funny though for me emotionally how it's changed from fuck man that's so cool. And then I'd be listening to it in the car over the years and sort of showcasing, you know, the emotional states we've gone through on this project where it might automatically come up in my car and I'll be like, I don't want to fucking hear this because I just don't want to think about Robodoc right now. It's been so <laughs> now, you know, now we're at this stage, that shit's being played on loop. And um, yeah, it has opened my eyes. I, I love traditional synth, like, you know, your Tangerine Dreams and everything like that. Uh, the old school synth. But um, yeah, through this doc now, and it's hard to not, associate it with it i think that's what i'm gonna find interesting i think there'll be a lot of people that will be discovered because of this doc but i think the association will go hand in hand after this oh yeah for sure and the music definitely was giving me chills that's what helped a lot and how it really plays with the emotions that everybody is like talking about for a certain scene like picked great things to to highlight on here and it's so hard to pinpoint like one specific thing because of how much is in this documentary. Um, but I don't get chills watching documentaries. I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's, that's some information. That's cool. Wow, I learned a little something new today. This one was like, I'm so into it. Um, I rewatched um, 
all the segments last night and I was like falling asleep watching it. But I'm like, I need to power through this. I love this documentary so much. And I'm so excited for everybody to go and see this. Um, oh, I just, I'm gushing over it because how much I love RoboCop and to see all these faces on here. And I guess to kind of, you know, transition into that, um, Gary, we can start with you. Out of everybody that was in this documentary that was interviewed, were you surprised at anybody that you got or was there somebody that you were hoping you were going to get and they didn't, they didn't want to um, come on? Uh, I mean, I'm surprised we got Weller. That's a different story. Uh, we should probably come to that in a second. But I think we all we all wanted Rob Bottin. I think I, I'm a massive special effects fan, you know, and the work he'd done Total Recall. And obviously the thing, and obviously this, you know, I, I, I've tried to replicate some of his work, you know, regards to... Uh, you know, the mountain man and stuff like that. He, he's an amazing artist, but we just couldn't get him. And, I, you know, we've talked about it before, but I remember uh, Ed Newmar had been to see him a couple of days before and he shows a photograph on his phone and it was a, a, a Rob Bote in a balaclava. That's all it was. And just, he could have been anybody. He could have been, a, you know, some bum from like that, you know, from a 7-Eleven. And he went, <laughs> yeah, that's Rob Bottin, look. And it was like, <laughs> yeah, can you get him for us? And then, again, I'm sure lads will elaborate on the story where... Uh, he tried to get him for us but I think we kind of we kind of were settled that we knew that we couldn't get him because I, I, we heard a story that he'd done a documentary before and he was kind of misquoted in a documentary and he wasn't very happy oh, yeah. so we said he'd never do another one again and then he obviously left the industry and went to do, uh, to do um, uh, um, uh, real estate um, so I think, and the fans know that as well. So if anybody does come and quotes going, you know, on any articles or or, or comments going, why didn't you get Rob Bottin? I think the general knowledge of most fans is you're not going to get Rob Bottin. But Weller, on the other hand, was was the, was the irritant for us because people were expecting him to be in it. So were we. And, you know, it took us five years to get him. Uh, wow! Again, the, the story is its own documentary, really, about how we got him, and you know we could reduce a lot of reenactments there. Uh, but um, I think getting him in the end was obviously well worth it, and I think you know it was well worth the stress because I think you know that when we watched the cut of Weller being included at Eastwood's house, um, the doc was already great. I loved it already, but then seeing Weller in it, it just it just, it just completely changed everything. And that's not any kind of discredit on anybody else in the dock. Everybody's brilliant. But for us, I think it just meant that it was it was complete. You know, we had Weller, we had Robert Burke, we had Richard Eden. You know, we we didn't have the guy from the um, the made TV movies. We didn't, we tried him, but we couldn't get him. But anyway, we had the three main RoboDoc, uh, Robocops. And I think that, that's completest for us in, in a sense. So, it's probably one documentary where the person said no, we actually finally got that person because we've had other docs where they've said no and we still couldn't get him. Whereas he said no and it took five years and we got him. So, but as other people, I, I mean, I, I, lads are probably irritating me saying I love Ronnie Cox. I think he's one of the best '80s villains, and I think you know getting him in in that in that chair for me was just like an absolute dream. It was one of the, I think it was the first day shooting, wasn't it? I think we had Ronnie. He's early on. Yeah, one of the first days. So I think that was kind of the pinnacle for me. And that was a couple of days into shooting of a three-week shoot uh, initially. So, yeah, so well is the one that we tried hardest. And Boating's the one I think we all probably wish we would have got. And yeah. just finally, very quick, I know I'll wrap it on. Uh, Miguel uh, was one that we really wanted. We spoke to his agent. He had agreed to do it. 
at the time they told us confidentially he was ill obviously which we couldn't obviously tell anybody that because i don't think it was public knowledge at the time that he, he, he suffered from cancer but he was keen to do it and i think when we got there i think he hadn't passed away from i think he was really ill at the time and then it wasn't long after he passed away and we were just gutted and obviously gutted of course because he, he passed away but i just think we were that close to having him and the fact that he wanted yeah. to do it still even when he was ill but I think the, the days we were there, they just didn't line up. Obviously, his medication and whatnot. So that was obviously, you know, as fans, particularly for the lads, I think that was obviously quite devastating. But uh, hopefully, the doc is quite a nice legacy piece for him now. People very thought very fondly of him, and there's lots of footage of him uh, and conversations about him and his role. So I hope that's a legacy piece for him. Yeah, Sorry. for sure. Um, I'll just say as well, like when yeah. when we did get Weller. And Chris and I were super nervous about the interview and we had to do it remote because it was during lockdown. But the what the, the interview was absolutely phenomenal. And Chris and I were on the on our phone during we were on like a Zoom um asking the questions, but then Weller would talk for 10 minutes because he just loves <laughs> to chat. And Chris and I would be like, This is amazing. Have you even heard any of this before? And we were both just like at, like ch- like children on our phones. <laughs> but then getting the footage and having a finished doc and being able to go take that out, drop in the main man no yeah. better job that was the most enjoyable part and it took it took week it took like three months to get weller in the documentary and do all of the green screen it was all shot in 4k and we animate annotate the guns and there was, there was so much stuff but just being able to have something that we were happy with and you know we did our best with the with the doc without weller we got archived that is still partly in there but it's archived that nobody's ever seen before of weller talking but to be able to go open that up drop in the main man and it's just lifted it to like an 11 and he was so great he really does like Gary when when we show what he watched it at my house and, and he just couldn't believe how sort of like animated and, yeah. and open and candid Weller was about himself and reflecting on sort of him being a bit of a tyrant and really difficult and you know causing issues and we never <laughs> having never sex with everybody. Like <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's really important as well with with Weller was that obviously it was very hard to get him. And then even when we had the contract in place, you know, it was very, very strict contract. We never had that before. We normally have a just the release form. That's it. We had an actual contract, uh, which we had to get checked over and whatnot. But it was very clear in the contract that he wouldn't talk about the second film and he wouldn't do any uh, lines from the movie. And it was very strictly time. But once he got in and met the lads and obviously had that connection with them, he just gave everything. And then he was doing lines from the film, which obviously in the dock and in the trailer, he was holding the gun. He was talking about the second film. I think that's testament to him as well. And it's difficult. I think it's still bad rep sometimes he does. And I know he, it's persona that he likes to to obviously portray. But I think that when we had him in the chair, or particularly the lads had him in the chair, uh, Again, I think and I've said this a few times that I think he he know he knew it wasn't a fluff piece, he knew it wasn't some bog standard Blu-ray extra. And I think he got very comfortable. And because these two guys are like an encyclopedia of Robocop anyway, and, and his career, he just got very relaxed. And you can see him in the dark, and I'm sure you know Eastwood has seen even more editing that how he, he starts to get very sinking in his chair and he starts to get more relaxed and you know, he's not as stiff as he was and more and the little glint in his eye and you know and the smile. That's just gold for us. And I think I, I'm really happy we got him and really happy that uh, he's he's elevated it as well. Massively. I'd say this is probably like the most challenging for me in terms of interviews. Some of them were. I think especially because their reputation precedes them. And in particular, Paul Verhoeven and Peter Weller. They're both <laughs> these characters which had been built up for us from all these interviews and prior knowledge of like, oh, <laughs> they were quite difficult and quite tyrannical on, tyrannical on the set and everything. 
So when it came time to meeting them, that first point of contact, you, you know, you are literally shit in your pants. Yeah. Um, and the beauty was, I think, on both him and Verhoeven, was there's it's a bit like a psychological back and forth. I mean, at the end of the day, we're there to do a job, there to do the interview, but at the same time, it's like, fuck, I just want to have a chat with you. Do you know what I mean? In a most professional way. And I to ask, there's definitely on both those interviews that moment where you just go, fuck your mind. We're talking. This is it. We can relax. You know what I mean? Then they're, and as Gary said, their body language eases it up. I think, you know, with Wellers, admittedly, for the first, ooh, I don't know what it was. Like, it felt like an eternity, but half hour, 40 minutes, I was like, fuck, he's not talking much about Robocop. And time, time is a ticking. And then we just had this one kind of off camera moment, basically, where he spoke to us directly. And then at that moment, he just kind of completely opened up. And I think what I really enjoy about that, and I think, you know, you have to make your interviewee comfortable, no matter what they're like, is come to that sort of reasoning with them. And then by the end, you know, Eastwood had sort of laid out, we had written the questions together and Eastwood made the smart call because worried that we won't have enough time or he'll fob us off quickly, that let's prioritize the questions. We have to get these. These would be ideal. This would be okay. And anything thereafter. But it's when you go, shit, he's actually doing all of it. And by the end, we were able to, we kind of like, I say, looked at each other. I was probably like, giving him the gun, weren't we? We were like, give, it, give him the gun. So we'll play with the gun. And, and, and <laughs> should we kind of just admit that? Um, so we're indirectly, but people say you might have been a bit of a dick on set. You know, should we get to that point of talking like that? And he did, he came back. And I think for me, in particular with the pre-Weller version of the doc and the post-Weller, it might have looked a little bit like when you got to those moments and people are going like, yeah, he was a bit difficult on setting this and that. It looks like we might, I think someone might have said to me, to be honest, like, oh, you got, you just, you, you're using those comments because you've got a chip on your shoulder. He doesn't want to be in your dock. It's like, well, no, it's the facts. But yeah. actually then to get Weller to counteract that and totally embrace it as well. And I'm not saying it's justified in any way, but to be fair, it's like, look, you try and wear that suit. You try and do this thing. Do <laughs> yeah, this. exactly. <laughs> fucking fair yeah. game to you you know so it's i think that's again what we look to do with our docs is not make fluff pieces i think we had a bit of a mini debacle i've said before about uh when we were doing pennywise there was some opinion like oh no we better not say that the spider wasn't that great and i'm like the fucking spider wasn't that great in the film we need to address that do you know what i mean it's the same thing yeah. it's not good we're not there to you know do an exploitative exploitative piece about how crap something is it's like no let's let's not let's address the elephant in the room and let's unpack why it didn't work or why something was the way it was you know because otherwise it's it's not a documentary it's just a happy go lucky fluff piece yeah. talking yeah, about nothing bad not you, you, you need bit. to have some sort of contention in there because there's always contention in anything that you do you know, or who you're talking to, especially when it comes to films, like it's a huge family, big, big production, especially on this. And you can see the amount of people that are there. And and even us going through credits for the people who weren't there it was a big production. There's a lot of things happening in or at Orion at the time, and they were dealing with that stuff. But they, if they were with any other company, and they even like said this, like, this wouldn't have happened. This doc, mm -hmm. the, the, the movie just would not have happened. Robocop would be be done to be thrown in the trash and they were even like highlighting that like when they were bringing all the papers people just throw the script in the trash because it says robocop on it you know and it's like it's so true especially at that time um but going back to to peter um yeah like i'm now that you're saying this and thinking about hmm, how would this doc feel without him being there it w still would have been really good and very entertaining 
but you wouldn't have had like all all of his side of things and him talking about being in all this stuff and as soon as i you hear his voice in here immediate chills and then he says the line and you're like you guys fucking nailed this like i don't i don't know anybody else that would have done this as good as you like you just you have a power of bringing out the best and everybody well best and worst of everybody and it's a good yeah. thing great <laughs> great interviewers guys seriously i, I think yeah sorry i think someone we haven't mentioned it's funny because he's, he's john davison so i know that you guys are really shitting yourself with him but i think again talking about getting the best out of people i know it was a difficult interview and, he, and again he opened up but the relationship that john had after with particularly eastwood for, for those all those years after providing Eastwood with like lots and lots of obviously archive, he went obviously to I think there's some university and got those archive for us. And he had, you know, that was all of his stuff and getting permission to use it. That again was somebody who we were told was quite a difficult person and very, very producer, you know, he was very kind of like, you know, hard. But he opened up and he, you know, and I think he became quite close to the production really in the aftermath of those years. I think that's how we treat people. We've always said that. We always treat people with the respect they deserve. And I think because we are fans, and no matter what we're doing, if it's on Robert England or it's on Pennywise or on this, we aren't doing it just because we want to get a DVD out there or, or a documentary out there. And hopefully, uh, again, about obviously bigging ourselves up, we know what we're talking about. And I think when you know what you're talking about to an interviewee, they then understand that they're in, they're in safe hands, really. And they do open up and it becomes a conversation, it becomes a friendship. I know I've made friends with people we've interviewed over the years and I'm still close to those people as much as you can be, being this side of the pond. And I know the lads have as well. And there's people, particularly obviously with Eastwood, who he's got very close to, and obviously with Chris. That's just, I think, a testament of them as well as the team as well. And again, we get gold on screen at the end of it. I remember chatting to John Davison, who, who found a load of stuff in his garage, and that's always the best. So, <laughs> being so grateful that he, he shipped that over to me, but being so grateful, but then at the same time going, "Is there anything else in there?" Because what I didn't want to happen, and it still yeah. might happen, is him go, "Oh yeah, Eastwood. By the way, I've just found seventeen tapes that were under a sweater," and it's just like, and then we we're like, <laughs> "Shit, the stuff, everything he sent was absolute gold." And again, that's another thing of Chris and I. I was opening the packages up and calling Chris and hitting space bar to watch this stuff because I had a lot of it digitized, but we didn't know what was on it because the people digitizing it, I was like, screen off. I don't want you guys to see what it is. Let me know once it's done, I'll come pick it up. And they they um, gave it to me and then I literally opened it up, hit space bar and then called Chris and I was like, you're never going to guess what we've got. <laughs> literally like a dream come true, getting to see a load of this stuff and it's it's all in the documentary, but that's all thanks to John Davison. Massive shout out as well to Steve Lee, who... Um, was our sort of connect from this side who went over and scanned things for us and had stuff shipped out and labeled things and had things documented and we couldn't have obviously at this side of the pond we, we relied on those people but we're so we're just so fortunate that that people were willing to give us the time of day do you, do you remember do you remember going to paul salmon's house uh, we did that on pennywise didn't we or did you? I you went to Paul Simon to the yeah, I think we I did. I, the following year to get some Robocop. Oh, yeah. I think we, 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 yeah, we, well, we went, we went for anything. We were searching through his like garage and his archive. There were tapes and everything. And I remember going, there's loads of shit. And it was all <laughs> Robocop 2, Robocop 2. We thought, like, where's Robocop 1? I remember he was saying to me, get as much as you can on the first film, not the second. Well, we had enough on the second one already, hadn't we? And it was, it was just fucking mounds of documentation and stills and videos of number in two of all things but again i think i know you're going to say chris i interrupted you sorry about that paul 
you know, just how great, great everybody was. It sounds again, it's cliche. It sounds really bullshit now, but you know, we had people coming in with just one Polaroid photograph, going, "Please use this." You know, <laughs> holding T-shirts and people coming in with you know, the boards of the original kind of like company logo. People were really, really keen to be involved and, and bring their memories and share their memories. We had no issues of archive. I know we were shitting ourselves, particularly me and uh, Eastwood was getting the release forms. But we all came flooding back. People were really keen just to share. And it was like, shit, you know, sometimes it's difficult to get stuff out of people. It wasn't that difficult. It was difficult to find what we actually needed. But we got a lot of stuff sent to us. It was like... Thanks for that news newspaper clipping with the coffee stain on. That was brilliant. You know, but yeah, we got everything off people. So I, I, I think again, it's cliche and bullshit. But uh, the, the cast and crew, I think again, it, it comes across on screen, doesn't it? Really, how how engaged they were and how proud they are of oh, being yeah. woke up. We had a moment as well, just to talk about like moments outside of the filming where we were just being fans with with like um, Donna Keegan, who's she unfortunately she's got a credit of rape victim. Where I was like, oh, we can't we can't label a rape victim, but that, that's what she's credited as. But the fact that she she was sat with myself and Chris, and we we had there's like a, a famous Robocop edit, which is like what a load of students put together. And there's a I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called the Robocop remake. And there's a scene in there where they go to town on the rape scene where yep yep i have seen getting, that it's pretty wild <laughs> it's nuts, isn't it? literally nuts it's literally nuts there's like just a load of men getting a load of prosthetic penises out yep, and yeah around. yeah it's really it's funny but we we she hadn't seen that Never so seen we, that. we filmed her reaction watching that and we've not actually used it anywhere but she was like amazed at how good the level of production is and 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 we did the same with like sd namath who played bixby snyder he had no idea that there was like any sort of pop culture around his character. I remember when we asked him in the interview, like, how many people have come up to you and asked you to do the line? And he said, nobody. And we were just a bit sad. And yeah, so yeah. You know, we, were look- we were showing him on our phones, just the fact you can get T-shirts with, like, buy that for a dollar on it and mugs. And he was just like, wow, he couldn't, oh, genuinely, <laughs> he couldn't actually believe that, that it was like a bit of a phenomenon with his character. And that was just amazing as well. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, get in the, the motion uh, the movement coach in here was awesome too. Seeing how how you know Peter was developing that because you you know as a fan you think oh okay he was just thinking of that you know whatever but to see what he was going through and all these different mo- movements and how he was even affecting how Paul was shooting certain scenes to accompany the movement of Peter was phenomenal. Like I I. I wish I had enough pull like you guys have for all of these people to get them on my show to interview them because it's crazy. Like every like five minutes, there was a new person and this is four episodes and they're all an hour plus. And I don't know how you guys had stamina for all this. I would have been so tired and be like, someone else needs to come and do this. This is crazy. There's so much stuff to sift through and uh, wow. Just congrats. Like, it's a beast I'm speechless. that just kept growing. <laughs> it really is a beast that just kept growing. And I, as I've said before, like, you know, we wanted to make, uh, you know, I just didn't remember telling Gary, like, oh, I want to do Robocop. And there was always this just angst about doing a project like this. You know, it's a very well-known IP, a popular character. Um, there have been some docs on it before and this and that. And so, you know, originally the idea was relatively limited of like, right, two hours, let's get who we can, you know, let's do somewhat of a deep dive on it, more so than ever has done before. 
But I think it's just organically grown into this behemoth. And I think that's just why it was so challenging. You know, it was a, a, ride, a, a wave we were given to ride. And at times it was really, really hard to ride that wave. But, you know, it's the perseverance of everyone on here that we kind of came through with it. And thank God for Screenbox saying, yeah, of course, four hours, you know, yeah. But, you know, we the whole debate about, you know, splitting it into a docu-series. And even I was a bit like, eh. Really, do, you know, do people want to see a series or find out what happens next episode on the making of a film, which is almost quite obvious, unlike these Netflix serial killer docs where <laughs> oh, this happens, you're like, fuck, I've got to find out what happened next. You know, we're just talking about a making of. But, you know, we were told by someone in the early stages who had done a piece on Robocop before, like, you're never going to do a documentary on that. Uh, you know, you never, and then later on, you're never going to make it four hours. You're never going to have it as a series. And now here we are. You know, we've been, and in a way, kind of like reflective of the making of the film. It's been at times traumatic, very rewarding. You know, a lot of effort put in, and actually to have a distributor in this case, but like Orion with RoboCop. You know, a kind of a, a company that's gone. Nope, you do it the way you think it should be done. So I think there are parallels between the making of the doc. And the original films, to be honest, I can't help but watch parts of it and go like, <laughs> oh, I know what you mean, Paul. I know what you mean, John, or whatever. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I always remember uh, having a phone debate or text debate with, with Eastwood about Belen. And we were we were working with some uh, sales agents who work with us all the time, Lawrence and Hank, and they're brilliant. You know, they, did, they actually did this deal with Screenbox for us, and they've been great. But it was very much years ago this kind of mantra that everything had to be 100 minutes no matter what the doc was it was 100 minutes and our previous docs were three hours for fright night and it was seven hours for fucking uh, leviathan <laughs> yeah. ridiculous um but it was like it had to be 100 minutes and i'm on the phone today he's going it's got to be 100 minutes he said it can't be there's no way it can be and i'm going it has to be and then i had him having an argument with me going i cannot edit a documentary which is scene by scene dissection for a 90 minute film in 100 minutes it's not possible and I'm going back to them going, it's not possible. I go, has to be 100 minutes. And in the end, I think Easter went, just fucking grow a pair of balls and tell them. And I went, it's, got, it's going to be four hours or it's going to be nothing. And they caved in and they've now come back. And I'll give them, you know, give them the credit to be met to be men. <laughs> they come back and gone, you know what, we were wrong. You know, we, we never thought we could sell a, hundred, you know, a four hour dock. And we did, you know. And again, I know Chris was pushing for that from day one, but I think that one conversation with East would piss me off and said, you know, basically it's your company. You tell them, <laughs> give you some credit Eastwood. It worked. You know? well, I, listen, I, I know we can all be stubborn. I, I was doing it for the best end result. This is the thing. No, right? no, yeah, get people, it, yeah. people are going to look at this and there'll still, still be people who will go four hours. That's way too long. It's longer than, you know, how many times do you say, Oh, they're making it longer than the film. It needs to be yeah. so many reviews, but the way we, we saw it and the way I saw it was, if we don't tell this and if we don't use this gold that we've been given, put it in, a, in in the public and for public to see. And we just say, right, 100 minutes and we'll leave two and a half hours on the floor. No one's ever going to see that. That's going to be me and Chris watching it every year. But like, mm -hmm. why would we not want that out, out in the open? It's absolute gold. We're not making it long for the sake of it. And obviously the scene by scene analysis, I, I gave it a try, the two hour thing, and I was just heartbroken doing it. But I was like, I just want as many people to be able to see this. But then th there was the time. And, and again, Gary was patient with me and, but it was it wasn't it wasn't like an ego thing it wasn't me just no, going no, no. i'm not changing anything it was more just the end result if i again chris and i are always thinking as super fans what do we want to see what do we want to hear what have we heard a ton and we can cover it but it doesn't need to be in that much depth because it's already out there and what areas do we want to like 
proper push on that no one's ever heard about like the sound effects like again music yeah. sound effects i'm very sort of like sound orientated but talking about the sound effects that that's never been covered there's so many aspects to it the bitches in there that have never done interviews like a lot of the body gang have never done interviews like they get a lot of screen time because the stuff that they've got is absolutely incredible but yeah that the, the episodic thing was just it was for the it was for the end result it wasn't like a I can't be asked to edit it because I mean, I, 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 this has been such a great job. It's just been a, a massive, a massive undertaking, but it's been so much fun. I think it's that challenge thing, isn't it? And I think it's like again, it's doing something which is breaking the mold where nobody else was doing it, and we were told again, it's not going to happen. There's no way possible. Like Chris was told the very first day. I remember sitting in Chris's flat in uh, in 2016. We when that chap emails and said to us. You're never going to make this project. What's stop wasting your time? And I remember Chris being a little bit kind of like a bit browbeaten by it and go, oh, fuck it. And I went, and I remember saying, fuck him. There's even more reason to do it now. Fuck exactly. this guy. Uh, and, you know, I won't mention his name. Uh, but <laughs> that spurred us on. And I think, again, you know, being told no so many times in regards to we cannot have a four hour doc. And I think because we'd already done the, something like Leviathan, which was long and laborious, we'd already done that. And it, was, it never needed to be seven hours we had a really uh unfortunately very bad director on that one and thankfully chris salvaged it as, a, as the new director of the the arrow cup but uh i think it again i think breaking that mold and just doing something different and challenging yourself and, and, and credit as always where it's given it, it's i think just four hours of gold really or five hours of gold nearly it's, uh, it's a justifiable uh, runtime i think this one because there has yeah, been long Docs. I mean, fuck it. I'll admit, I've been playing Friday the 13th again. And as soon as I have any encounter with Friday the 13th, I'm like, right, I'll watch the films. I'm going to watch Crystal Lake Memories. And that's about six hours, give or take. And yeah, I yeah. can't get through that shit. I know. Once. Is, is it crazy? Sorry, Chris. Uh, sorry, is it crazy for me to say that I want more? <laughs> I want more <laughs> on don't, don't, don't say it to, don't say it to Eastwood. He'll have a fucking nine hour director's cut soon. <laughs> I'll take it. It We've could got... have been longer, but I was conscious. We again, it's thirty-five. What is it? It's four hours thirty-five minutes. There's another hour on the on the special features that's already been produced. There could easily be another two. Like I'm not even joking. Yeah. Like we have. I, so I want many... it. Give it to me. Give it <laughs> right now. <laughs> I'll be so much. We had so much. Well, people forget. I think it's really strange because I think in the last few months where it's been very much promoted of this RoboDoc series, I think people forgot we actually interviewed another forty odd people for parts two. TV series and comic book, and uh, people forgot that it's kind of got lost. It's like go on to the internet movie, movie database, you can see fucking Tom Noonan's name and John Castle and Robert Burt. So there's fucking loads more uh, in terms of, of footage. Which again, I think I'm, I may have said back in the day about even this series. Can we do something at the end regards to legacy? And have, I think it would have convoluted it in terms of dropping people in for the sake of it. And again, I think you know credit to Eastwood. I think that was a conversation we had. It was like. Do we just want to show someone's face because they're in the third film? It's just about the first, when it's about the first. So there's, there's so much extra footage. And I mean, Eastwood can tell you in a second about the bonus features and probably tell you at least what they are because it has been advertised now. What And, and by, you know, by yeah, the time yeah, it comes out, uh, I think they'll probably be available on, on uh, you know, Apple and stuff like that. But there is so much. And there's a season two and season three um, ready you know, well, we're not ready. <laughs> uh, nearly another ten years, they'll be out. But um, yeah, I mean, Eastwood, do you want to mention just the bonus features and what what we've achieved? Yeah, there? yeah, yeah. So and, we go into pretty... we've got a we've got a Rob Bottin tribute on there, which is um, oh, nice. fire, fire the 
um, robo team. So Stefan Dupuis, Bart Mixon, Grego Punchatz, who were um, part of the robo team, go into detail about sort of their history before robo and then other little bits that we we could have put in the documentary and it would have worked. But it's again, I don't I think it, it works nicely as its own sort of feature with just those guys running it. We've got um, some nice graphics on the guns and information on the weapons, like in intricate detail for those people, because for those people that know the the, the Robocop firearm site, I think it's a, there's a wiki about the firearms in Robocop. There's so many guns, and Ed Newmyer was in charge of, of tasking everybody with the guns, and Randy Moore is in, involved in that, who was a weapons master. Uh, we've got a video game feature that Chris cut together with Gary Bracey, who ran um, Ocean Software, which is a lovely piece um, um, about the history of the, the um, Ocean Ocean Robocop game and all the arcade, uh, all the arcade versions of that. Um, what else have we got? Uh, there's some stuff well. there's some more stuff yeah. about Verhoeven and and his sort of like um uh intricate I guess sort of like uh anecdotes and story <laughs> moments from each of the cast members him being involved in some of the uh, the casting sessions and things like that with 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 some of the women um oh, I can imagine oh there, man <laughs> there's, there's so there's so much I'm going blank now but there yeah there's like an hour I think it's like an hour, and know, hour we got that minutes, little piece on Weller as well haven't we that one about yeah, some, um, there's some stuff on Weller yeah so yeah I mean we've definitely milked it but I think we've contained it in the right way do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't outstay its welcome. Yeah. As much as you obviously say, like, yes, I'd love to have more. I think you know it. That we were lucky that we were able to see this project through as we had always, or you know, we certainly intended for a long time. But I think at the same time, there is that art sometimes of going, okay, that's the sweet spot. I think that's what the doc does. And then you know, for the avid ravenous fan like yourself, there's the hours worth of bonus content and even oh, ten yeah. minutes that with me in Eastwood <laughs> but in, in oh, yeah, itself that kind of, that's quite you know it's 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 nice to be able to do that as well because it was a bloody journey you know I mean this took us from what LA primarily we were shooting in Burbank Eastwood and I did a trip up to um San Francisco um Berkeley uh to get Phil Tippett then we all hopped over to Dallas then New York and then I think the following year Ga uh, Gary and myself and Adam went to um uh, Munich to get Jost Vacano, the DP, mm -hmm. uh, the games guy. He's down in Surrey, not far from us, as is the guy who did the comic books, lives about an hour away from me. So it's just, it, it's so nice to be able to kind of like do a little piece that sort of showcases like, mate, this fucking trip took us everywhere, you know, mm -hmm. like it really oh, yeah, did. Right. Kind of covered, you know, all sorts of parts of the globe. And so I think it's just nice to be able to reflect on that a bit, to be fair, because it was a heck of a journey. Awesome. Yeah, it really, really was. Um, and I'm happy to see um, the love today of people you know, putting out the reviews and everything. I'm excited to go and, and listen to them. Um, but one last final question. Um, what is next? Uh, Gary, any Chris or Eastwood, whoever wants to go first? What do, what do you guys got in the pipeline right now? It's really hard because this is so fucking big. And then what we've got coming out next, obviously, is obviously a backlog of clips of our projects. So it's going to be like we're going to go shoot up here now Robocop and, and it's not being respectful to our next project because I love it go down here a little bit with the next one because it's just a different beast completely so we've got obviously a four part series of Police Academy coming out which is Hell covering yeah. all, all seven films TV series cartoon series oh uh, wow yeah I mean, we've got everybody from Gutenberg to you know um, to um, give you Bailey I mean everybody who, who's alive 
most people, most people, that's really nasty. A few people have passed away since we filmed it, as has happened with Robocop. Most of our projects, people die before we release them. Uh, so that's the next thing coming out for the 40th anniversary of Place Academy next year in 2024. Obviously, there's season two and three over the next few years, uh, hopefully with Screenbox. They've obviously got first refusal on uh, contractually optional on season two and three of RoboDoc, which covered yeah. parts which covered the second film, third film, TV series, comics legacy. Uh, and then we, we're just in conversation now. We've got a few ideas in terms of the next project. Um, I know there's things we want to do. Eastwood mentioned something the other day, which kind of made my, my brain start ticking. And I'm thinking, you know what? Because we've just done this and it's so good, if we could show that person the clip of this, Maybe we might entice them to do a documentary on Last Action Hero. Maybe we can get Charles. We can get That's Charles. That's another really good movie that I love. You know where oh, Danny did you... the sky from me. It was we like know, just to yeah. sit down with Arnie and, and John McTiernan and Charles Dance for a film that flopped. That yeah, I know Chris there's is a, a good. I that film. There's a good and story. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm very much like Eastwood. I, I I've never understood why it. Man. didn't do as well as it did all right apart from the jurassic park factor that that just like et did in 82 yeah office. i i, I think never yeah understood I... why last action hero never got the credit it wears its humor such a good movie and it's, it's just so, so good. Well, it was good it was too ahead of its time if it would have come out maybe 15 years later i think it would have been massive i think it was just too ahead of its time the whole meta thing which is obviously that's the, the thing now is to be self-referential and you know arnold passing robert patrick in another character and stallone's the terminator in the blockbuster like all that stuff was just so fun and i think it was just too ahead of its, its time and then like chris said it just came out where you had this juggernaut in jurassic park but it's it, Arnie's really sort of. Um, I guess he's ashamed of it. He, he's he, he was he, he, his pride got knocked. Yep. The fact that this film came out and didn't make as much money as it should have done, and it cost a fortune. But I just think that, that film for me is phenomenal. It's an absolute five yeah, out of five. I think that's the approach we go. And I think you know, I think it's something where we want to look. I think after Eastwood said it the other day, I've been thinking about it, and I think again, it's that mantra. Someone, you know, we think we can't do it. Let's let's try and do something like that. I think there's people out there. I know that a few years ago, it might have been Eastwood or Chris who found Danny, the kid on Facebook, where he was. Uh, and I think there's people we've already interviewed on other projects who worked on that film. So that's something I think we, us three talk about um, soon. Obviously, we're talking to Brandon from Screenbox about potential projects because obviously we've had a great relationship with Screenbox and obviously Cineverse. And I think, you know, we'd like to do some original for them in terms of, of a, a, a doc series or a documentary. Maybe if they maybe have contacts, Alex may be listening to Arnie. You never know. <laughs> Let's make it happen, everybody. Yeah, Come then, on. Yeah, but I think we did say we just said a few months ago we wanted to get this out, get the UK release done as well, and then uh, start thinking about what's next. So Chris has had a baby recently. He had a baby a year ago, less than a year ago. Lots of things have been in our lives changing. So I think we're at a time maybe in a few months time where we can start sitting down and really thinking about it and get the backlog done we have got night of the demons to come out but that's another story um yeah as <laughs> so i mentioned that brandon's listening you could buy off quick um so yeah <laughs> i think i think yeah i like the idea of sort of changing things up and i think you, you don't i mean let's face it the well is drying up in terms of like popular ips friday 13's been done nightmare on elm street's been done Chainsaw Massacre, I'd love to cover, but again, that's been done, and unfortunately, a lot of the original cast. Yeah, that'd be a hard one. And I think for me, it's kind of like looking towards, yeah, something like Last Action Hero that's got a 
good story to it. Yeah, story it's not just important. And I think the angle that would be most important, you know, and it would probably be a challenge, but is to really pluck out Schwarzenegger's uh, feelings about it. You know what I mean? Pro- unpack it and process it. But another one, another thing I'd like to look at is kind of, I think, you know, good topics is films that never got made. And mm. I know one in the last couple of years by a certain South African director to pick up a franchise. I always just think, especially with the concept art that went out of the aliens and uh, Michael Bean and um, Sigourney Weaver, you know, to me, that feels like, my God, what I would do to see something that's part making of, part actually let's tell the story through visuals, you know, which I think they kind of touched upon a bit with the original idea of Alien with um, that memory doc they did, yeah. you know, yeah. Jodorowsky's June. So stuff like that. I think that's what I quite enjoy about projects, and hopefully it shows. There is a lot of cross-pollinating, but I think certainly if you look at what's come out in the last two years, you've got a character profile with Robert Englund. You've got a good, solid kind of um, making of a film and tapping into reality with uh, Pennywise, you know, with Colrophobia. And then you've got this, which is just like a fucking scene-by-scene, unpack-every-detail kind of thing. So I do like the idea of like kind of changing gears a bit per project as well, just to keep things fresh a bit, I think. And I think the Robert Doc kind of was a good good project for us, and Eastwood supported on that as well, because it was uh, about somebody's career, and it, it, we weren't exactly tied down to one film, and we had a lot more flexibility there in regards to, obviously, film use, and obviously and, and different genres to, to observe. You know, there's drama, and there's comedy, there's horror a wealth of different people who can come in as film experts to come and talk about a career. I think that was really nice for us to do. And I, I liked that. I think it gave us a lot more freedom. It was difficult at the same time because we weren't used to doing it. We've discussed obviously doing projects like that in the future. We've got, I think so we've got a lot. And I think what's really, again, I'm not him going on about it. It sounds like I'm really trying to kiss ass the screen box. But, <laughs> uh, and again, you know, if there's anybody else out there wants to give us a better contract, you know, no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> but, but, but in terms I'll of... I'll that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but I think, I think what's happened is it's, it, it's elevated our kind of like um, status in, 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 you know, we had a good reputation in terms of quality of documentaries. We've, we've even with like the Leviathan and Brewster. Obviously, our reputation is a bit shit in terms of delivering for fans on, on Kickstarters. That's never going to happen again in Kickstarter or Indiegogo. You know, we've learned our lessons from that, and we, you know, we hope people watch these and see what the wider problems have been, the way they have, and what wide hats engage. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but I think what it's done for us now, having three legitimate uh, documentaries released worldwide, also released in in the US professionally and officially and obviously in the UK and I know we're releasing Pennywise in Germany soon that will be followed then by Robodoc and by awesome. Hollywood Dreams it's allowed us to become professional documentarians uh, and hopefully it will do stuff for people like Chris regards to his directing and getting some gigs from that some freelance work I, I know it's going to make it once people see this Eastwood's going to be like inundated with requests and, and, and job offers. You need to get an agent. I'll do it for your Eastwood. But we argue, but it doesn't matter. Um, with regards to his editing, his motion graphic skills. So I think we're in a situation now where we can actually sell ourselves. We don't have to sell ourselves, oh, sorry, as much as we did before when we approach somebody and go, we're people that made Robodoc, we made Pennywise, Hollywood Dreams. We want to do a project on you now. Hopefully they'll what they'll know who we are. And yes. the reputation will obviously follow us. And, make a little life a little bit easier for us in these projects. Hence why I want to obviously investigate what we talked about the other day, because I think now 
we've got the pedigree and the CV to do it. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely agree. And you guys are really doing something that a lot of other people aren't doing. And um, I thank you for all the time that you have given me today to talk about this and that you created something that I love from something that I love. And for, you know, Screenbox always being the best out there and and allowing my show and myself to see these things and support them and, and, and push them out there. Uh, it, it means a lot as a fan and as a viewer and someone who consumes media and film a lot to see that you guys are doing something that a lot of people aren't doing is amazing. And um, I, I thank everybody for doing this. And I cannot wait to see what else is in store and to have all these physically with me. I want, I want that really badly. Yeah. I need, I need physical releases of things. Oh, they're coming. <laughs> they're coming. Don't worry. All Can right. I just ask Dustin, because this is this is new for us and, and especially for me, these guys have been on press tours before for other documentaries, but like we're so close to this project. I'd love to know like what some of your favorite bits from the doc. <laughs> oh man, there's so it. many. There's so many. Because it's so long, but like seeing seeing Peter, that the chills that I got from his entrance, like I, that still goes through my head. I know that's like in the trailer that you guys have. But to see everything leading up to that, because you don't see him for a little bit. And then, bam, there he is. And you're like, the voice is there. The editing on his voice was amazing. You guys nailed that. And just hearing him say the quotes and seeing how like charismatic he was. And also now seeing that with Paul and seeing his reactions on things. I, I, that's what I really like the most is seeing people react to what other people are saying about them. That, that's what really got me. And um, I guess like the other thing is seeing how they were creating like these, these filters, you know, before digital was even there, how they had to layer lines on top of things. That's always interesting to me. Cause I'm like, how were they doing this back then? They didn't have computers. And then seeing how the splicing of the editing was going and where they were doing it. That was really, really cool. And then seeing all these alternative takes that never made it, or they were cut from there and then having all these explanations that that's what I like the most. I love, I love seeing things that, you didn't know were there and then also be excited when you see the guy that you are hoping to see show up in such a badass way. Amazing. Nailed we, it. We lucked out massively with that. Cause I distinctly remember saying, you know, we, we, if anything, the first thing that was on my mind, you know, I was can't, couldn't wait to do when we got Weller is go, eh, there you go. All you bastards saying that, Oh, you can't get Peter Weller. <laughs> and we all, we all sort of said, didn't we like, right, we'll do this promo and this and that. And obviously we were told, as Gary said, he's not going to do quotes. He's not going to do this and that. And um, I, I remember sort of saying like, Oh, wouldn't it be great if you've got a thing of him, like getting his mic ready going like, you know, uh, you know, are we ready? Is to it go? on? And he lit and without any direction there, he just did it. Like I remember just watching from, from the second, like the cameras rolling and you just heard him go, are we ready? Are we rolling? Okay, test, test, test. I'm like, fucking hell, he's given us that and 10 mm -hmm. times more. So it was just a no-brainer. So it worked as the trailer and Testament to Eastwards with the whole ethos of you've got to build up these characters. You don't just go, oh, and there's Peter Weller, by the way. Huh. Um, fuck, it just what an entrance. So yeah, I get goosebumps watching that. Or I mean, I watch that trailer quite, <laughs> quite often, to be honest. It's just 30 seconds of like, yes, we did it, you know? Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you're right. It is an epic, epic intro. Hell yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for your time and for Screenbox and, and Alex, who was listening. You guys 
are amazing. And um, thank you for everything that you do and for what you do for the fans. It's definitely something that everybody should be checking out. And it will be on Screenbox August 29th. Super excited. Thank you guys so thank much. You. No, thank Thanks you for having us again. We really, yeah, thank you.